Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Ayigusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayers that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again, and thank you for listening. So in today's episode, we are talking about pastors' wives. Actually, what we're discussing is how we as pastors can best love and serve our wives in spite of the busyness of ministry. You know, many people may know about the burdens and struggles that a pastor goes through, but only a select small few ever see the real battles and the real struggles that a pastor's wife experiences. Now, I know that there are many larger churches where both husbands and wives wear the title of pastor. As a result, both of them are expected to function as pastors. But the fact is the majority of churches and pastors around the world, especially in Nigeria, the husband is the one who was called. The husband is the one who was hired. The one, who, the husband is the one who was theologically trained. He's the one who's being paid as a pastor. Yet, churches look for the wives of the pastors to live up to the expectations of their pastor husband. And listen, many times these expectations are, they are just impossible. In fact, I'll give you a short list of um, of, of just unrealistic expectations that people sometimes put on pastors' wives. These are actually from real life experiences. So sometimes church members expect pastors' wives to be at every important church event, right? Ignoring the fact that she has her own life and her own family. Uh, sometimes church members expect pastors' wives to, to look and dress a certain way and to present themselves a certain way in public, ignoring the fact that the woman probably has her own style, her own personal preference, and her own personal budget, what she can afford. Sometimes church members expect pastors' wives to be emotionally composed at all times, right? In fact, some cultures have a name for a pastor's wife. They call her the first lady with an expectation that she's going to be walking around like the president's wife, ignoring the fact that like no human can be emotionally composed at all times. Sometimes church members often feel the freedom to complain to pastor's wives about the way that the pastor is leading the church without any emotional sensitivity, ignoring the fact that the pastor is the woman's husband, right? And then sometimes church members expect pastor's wives to be to be Bible scholars and to raise godly children who are the standard of perfection for all the other kids. 
And listen, by the way, let me just say something to that last point because it is that kind of pressure that often pushes a lot of children away from church later on in life because church became about tradition rather than it became about Christ. I mean, that is a lot of pressure to put on these godly women who've chosen to walk with their husbands in ministry. And we sometimes put expectations on these women that, quite frankly, even the pastor himself cannot live up to. Not to mention the fact that the woman has her own life to live. She she has kids at home to take care of. She probably has her own career that she's pursuing. And not to mention, she has to actually be a wife to her husband. So he, let me talk to us pastors about this for a second, because here, here's the reality about marriage and ministry. As a pastor or ministry leader, there may come a time when your wife will be angry at God because of you. And she may become angry at God because of you because she feels like you are more married to the church than you are to her, or that you're more romantically involved with your ministry than you are romantically affectionate towards her. So in today's podcast, pastors and ministry leaders, I want you to consider today's podcast as a free marriage counseling session for you, right? Because I want to show us from the scriptures, this is not a guilt trip uh, podcast. I actually want to bless us as pastors today. So I want to show us from the scriptures how to best love our wives as husbands and, and pastors in a way that brings out the best in them, in a way that stirs up a greater love in their lives for Jesus Christ, and in a way that actually ultimately ultimately ends up shaping um, who we are as pastors, right? So uh, let's go right in. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 33. I think it's the manual for husbands. Here's what Paul says. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, verse 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So here's the central idea that flows from this passage, right? If I were to take this passage and I were to squeeze out one central theme, it's this, that husbands love your wives in the same way that Jesus has shown you his love, right? The central idea is that husbands love your wives in the same way that Jesus has shown you his love. Now, for pastors, this means that you need to look at your wife not just as another congregation member, but rather you need to see she is first and foremost, you know, she is um, she's your sweetheart. She's the wife of your youth. And there is a level of affection you need to demonstrate to her that goes beyond the way you love and serve your congregation members. In fact, 
From this passage, there are actually at least three ways that Jesus demonstrates his love for us that translate into three practical ways that you as a husband and pastor should love your wives. I'm going to give you what those three things are, and hopefully by the end of this, you'll have some very practical ways to show your wife love, even as a pastor. Number one step is this. Uh, we love our wives as Christ loved the church, pastors, by protecting her by protecting her. Verse 25 says, Jesus so dearly loved the church that he gave himself up for her to make her holy. As in he, he laid down his life to save her, protect her from something. Do you know why Jesus did that? Jesus laid down his life to, to not only save us, but in a sense, protect us from the holy, justifiable wrath of God. You see, before Jesus Christ came, you and I owe God, owed God a great debt because of our sin. We owed him a ton because of our sin, not only because of the things that we think and do that is wrong, but also because of the good things that we're supposed to do that we don't do. It's called the sin of omission and the sin of commission, right? So we not only do wrong when we don't, when we not only sin when we do wrong, but we sin when we don't do right. So when you read about Jesus Christ being bruised and battered and crucified on the cross, understand that Jesus is actually standing in our place as our substitute, right? Like, like, like in fact, it's what's known as the great exchange, right? It's a transaction of sorts that happened between God and Jesus Christ and us. Um, so the way it works is this, is that even though Jesus Christ never sinned and was sinless and blameless, God charged him for our sin. You could almost say God, God, God debited his account or charged him for our sin. So he took on what was ours. And then in return, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus's holiness gets credited to our account. It's the great exchange, right? He dies for us. We receive his righteousness when we put our trust in him. And in his great love for his bride, that's the church, that's you, Jesus was doing all of this to save us and protect us from an eternity apart from God in hell. So here's the point. In the same way that Jesus Christ protect us from God's holy wrath, so in the same way we as husbands are to protect our wives from any harm that might come near them. Practically speaking, husbands, this means that you must protect your wife from anyone who may try to harm her physically and emotionally. And by the way, this includes protecting her from people within your church and within your denomination who may try to place on her and your family expectations that are rooted in tradition rather than the Bible. Because we church people, man, we are we we are good at this. Like we have a really bad habit of of putting on a pastor's family just unrealistic expectations. We expect them to be saints twenty four seven. So part of your role as a husband, right, is to stand up and protect your wife by creating a culture of grace um, within your family and even in your church. But listen, we not only protect our wives from people who may harm them physically or emotionally. We not only protect them from people within our church may try to put on them some ungodly, unbiblical, traditional expectations, but we also protect our wives from some of our family members who may mean to harm them, whether passively or aggressively. There very well may come a time when as a husband, and there will come a time when as a husband, you'll need to step in on behalf of your wife and say, you know what, babe, don't worry about this. I will handle this. Or you'd speak directly to those people who are trying to get at your wife. That 
is what it means to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, for those of you young pastors who are not married yet, who are still single and are planning to get married, here's what that means for you. When you go to your girlfriend's father to ask for her hand in marriage, or whoever you're going to in their home to ask for marriage, understand that part of what you are committing to is taking on the responsibility that her father has had in protecting her. When you ask for her hand in marriage, the responsibility of protecting her is now your job. Now, another important aspect of protecting your wife from harm is not only protecting her from others, but also protecting her from yourself. Man, pastors, husbands, listen to me on this. Under no circumstance should you ever lift your hands to hit your wife. Don't you ever abuse her physically. Don't you ever abuse her emotionally or ever punish her financially. She, she is a fellow image bearer of God. She's the wife of your youth whom God has entrusted to your care. You don't ever hit a woman. Not only that, when the Bible describes your wife as the weaker vessel, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, understand that what the Bible is saying there is not just that she's weaker physically, but the Bible is also making the point that God will actually fight on her behalf in one form or another against your, uh, will fight uh, on her behalf um, because of your violence against her. Let me read it to you so you actually hear it yourself. First Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, right? So understanding way means that you're tolerant towards her, even in her extremes, right? You don't react by knocking her out or slapping her or doing whatever. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs, they will share with you in the grace of life. And do this, here it is, so that your prayers may not be hindered. If you've been seeking God for some things and it hasn't come to pass, I'm not saying this is why, but I would challenge you and encourage you to, to ask yourself, have you been abusive toward your wife? Because God will defend her. Have you been abusive towards her? Have you been living with her with understanding? Perhaps you need to repent in that area and you may begin to see things change in your life. Listen to me, God, your wife is one of the greatest gifts that God has entrusted you with. Those things in our life that may annoy you are the very tools that God is using to shape you into whom he has destined you to be. So love your wives as Christ loved you and be considerate towards her in your actions. So we love our wives as Christ loved us by protecting our wives by, um, and then the second point is this, by promoting your wife, promoting your wife. So this principle of promotion comes from uh, the end of Ephesians chapter five, verse 26, where it says, um, at the end it says, husbands love your wives, Jesus Christ loved the church. Why? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, without wrinkle, without any blemish, but holy and blameless right so so that is the end goal of the christian right to be presented holy and blameless and radiant before god listen there is not a passing day of your life that jesus christ through the holy spirit is not working on you and shaping you to become more like him second corinthians 3 18 says we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit like that, like that's why you have this constant back and forth. That God is continually trying to make you a uh, Christ is continually trying to make. I'm sorry, the God is trying to make you more like Christ through the Holy Spirit. 
And just so you know, once again, the end goal of this work that Christ is doing in you is so that he can someday present you before God's glorious presence without fault, without a single stain, so that you are shining radiantly. And so scripture says in this passage that it's in this same way that husbands are to love your wives. In other words, love your wife and serve your wife and invest in her life in such a way that she appears radiant and shining. That's what I mean by promote your wife. Invest in her in such a way that she begins to shine. Practically speaking, promoting your wife means a couple of things. It means that you help support her dreams. It means you help support her aspirations and her ambitions. In fact, let me let me ask you as a husband, uh, let me ask you this question. What is your wife good at? Do you, even, do you even know what your wife is good at? What does she really do well that comes naturally to her? Like, are you aware of those things? What are her gifts, talents, ambitions? The second question is this. How have you encouraged those abilities in her life, those ambitions, those skills, those talents, those things that she's good at? How have you encouraged it? Uh, it could be as simple as the fact that you're constantly praising her in public, right? Like, do you praise her character and make a, de a big deal about the things that she does about her works? In fact, in your sermon, when you, when you speak about your wife, are you speaking of her in glowing terms? In fact, I don't, that's not even a question. I actually, let me state it more assertively. Um, if you use your wife as an illustration in your sermons, for goodness sake, please make sure you're speaking of your wife in the most glowing of terms. And if you want to be humorous, fine. If you want to speak about your wife in a sermon and be humorous, talk about how God is using her to make you more like Christ. And if you can't think of anything great to say about your wife because y'all had a fight, then please, for heaven's sake, shut up about it. So think, let's go back to those questions. How, how have you verbally, verbally acknowledged and encouraged your wife face-to-face -face about the gifts that you've observed in her life, the gifts that God's placed in her? So some of your support of her could be financial. It's not always financial, but it certainly could be that. Like so, so how have you financially backed her up in her dreams? How have you encouraged her ambitions that God has placed on her heart? And by the way, if you don't know the answer to any of these questions, it's as simple as just asking her. Fellows, here's the truth of the matter. Your wife is a reflection of you. And whatever investments you make in her life at home, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, material, financial, whatever it is, whatever investments you make in her life at home will reflect brightly on her when she's in public, which in turn makes you look good. So once again, husbands, love your wives in the same way Jesus has shown you his love. Protect her, promote her. And then third and the last we will discuss today is really to provide for her. We love our wives as Christ loved the church by protecting her, promoting her, and providing for her. Look at verse 28. It says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. So um, when most men think about providing for their wives, they usually think financial, right? And you would be right. Like as a husband, one of your main responsibilities is providing for the material needs of your family, which, which you know, it involves getting up every day, looking for a job, working hard to make a living. But the truth is this, providing for your wife involves a little bit more than financial. It also involves providing for her emotionally. 
Like when you think about your own body, like you don't just take care of yourself by eating, right? There are other ways you take care of yourselves, right? You, you take a bath each morning, you, you cut your nails, you exercise, you take medicine, you read books, you listen to music, right? You interact with people. Well, the Bible is making a point that in the same holistic way that you care for your own body, so also you should holistically provide and take care of your wife. So along with providing financially and materially for your wife, let me share some very practical ways that you can love your wife and provide for her emotionally. And here it is. Discover your wife's love language and speak it to her on a daily basis. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with what love languages are, love language is actually a book that was written by Gary Chapman. And in that book, he makes the case that because of how God has unite, uniquely shaped and designed us, each of us receives love and expresses love in a different way. And he discusses five different love languages. And, and I'm actually going to give them to you right now. And so husbands, here's the time to pay attention. I'm going to go over the five love languages. And as I go over them, I want you to pay special ten attention to which one best describes how your wife receives affection. So this isn't how you receive affection or how you should show her affection. I want you to think in terms of how does your wife receive affection. So here are the five of them. The first one is this words of affirmation. So your wife may feel most love when you regularly compliment her or you verbally notice and acknowledge something that she worked hard on. For some of y'all, you husbands, you may be buying gifts for your wife every week and you feel like she's not responding when the truth is that what she mostly wants to hear from you is to tell her how beautiful she is or how great she's doing or how great a work she's doing. Right. So so think about that. Is your wife, does she feel most love when she hears compliments from you? Words of affirmation. That's number one. Number two, the second love language is quality time. So your wife may feel most love when you give her your undivided attention. This can be as simple and as uh, this could be as simple and romantic as just sitting with her and listening while she talks without interrupting her, or trying to give her your opinion. You just sit with her and, and give her quality time. Quality time means that there's no distractions, right? You've sent the kids out of the house, and so you can just spend time with her. So it could be that you're sitting silently with her and listening and being attentive, or it could be as elaborate as taking time off work to spend time alone with her, right? Take her to a place that she enjoys going, turn off the TV, turn off all distractions and give her your full attention, undistracted time. The third love language is receiving gifts. Now, I understand the economy is hard, but what is unique about the love language of gift receiving is that it doesn't have to be an expensive gift. In fact, what matters to people who have this love language is that you thought about them and that you thought about what kind of gift would be most meaningful to your wife. I know a husband who at least once a week brings suya for his wife from a particular place she loves, right? It's 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 his gift to her. It's not a lot, right? And and so what I think about the small things. People once again, people who have this love language don't expect you to spend a ton of money. It's the thought that matters. The fourth love language is acts of service. Some of you may have a household where you have many helps in the house, so you may think that you never need to lift a finger. But the truth is that your wife just wants to be near you while she's doing something, or she wants you to help her with something. And by the way, if this is you, if your wife's love language is acts of service, try something as simple as simply saying to her, honey, what and how can I help you today? Right? If you see things she's trying to do, man, go out of your way to serve her in one way practically that will be a blessing to her heart. And then last but not least, the fifth language is what we call physical touch. 
Now, physical touch isn't just about sex, but rather it's about proximity, right? So you may be married to a spouse who likes to, you know, she likes to hug a lot. She likes to hold your hands. She likes a back rub, right? They want to just sit next to you. That's because proximity, physical proximity, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, the physical touch matters to them, right? So it could be that maybe next time during your devotions, when you're praying with her, take her hands, hold her hands gently or, or give her a hug and pray over her rather than have her kneel and you pray over her, right? She just wants to be held. She wants to feel your presence around. So five love languages, husbands, right? Um, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service and physical touch. Husbands, pastors, what is your wife's love language? Let me make this easy for you. If you don't know what it is, don't panic, don't pretend, simply ask her. Give her the five examples and ask her which one most speaks to your heart. Then when she tells you, um, work hard to speak that love language regularly. So let's come back to the big idea, husbands, remember, Husbands, protect the wife of your youth that God has entrusted to your care. Promote her by calling out and encouraging the gifts and abilities and ambitions that God's placed in her life and provide for her not only financially, but emotionally. I want you to listen to what I'm going to say next. I'm going to tell a quick story right now and I'm going to wrap up this podcast. But listen to what I'm going to say next because I don't know how you met your wife, but here's, here's what I do know for sure. Your wife is one of the sharpest and holiest instruments that God will use to mold and shape you into everything he has destined you to be. Did you hear that? Your wife, no matter what circumstances led to you both get married, your wife was handpicked by God for you to spend the rest of your life with. And she is going to be one of the sharpest and holiest tools that God will, uh, holiest instruments that God will use to mold and shape you into everything he's destined you to be. Uh, let, let me illustrate it with the story of uh, uh, one of the U.S. presidents. There's a president named Abraham Lincoln. I think it was like the 16th president of the United States, one of the greatest presidents in American history. And many people know about all the things he did. You know, he led America through the Civil War. He was responsible for the emancipation of slaves, the releasing of black uh, people from slavery in America. So many people know about all the great things he did while he was in office. But what most people don't know about Abraham Lincoln was that his wife, Mary was actually mentally ill. At least she was diagnosed as being mentally ill through most of their marriage. She was known for having random flashes of anger. In fact, there's a story where I think she was at night in her husband in the living room and she's talking to him and he can't hear her. And the account goes, she throws a firewood at his head because he wouldn't answer her question. There's another account that she was once so angry at her husband that she literally chased him on the street after an argument. That, on top of that, um... At one point, when one of her children dies, she things got even worse as she fell into this inconsolable depression um, that was just not she couldn't really get back from. In fact, at one point, one of the staff members at the White House comes up to the president and says he wants to quit because, you know, he was complaining about his wife and saying that, man, I, I can't work with her. And the account goes that the president said to him, young man, I have lived with her for 15 years. You can manage 15 minutes. Now, the reason why I tell this story about Abraham Lincoln's wife is because this president's character and leadership was shining the brightest even when life was darkest at home. One marriage counselor summed up Abraham Lincoln's life this way when he says, Abraham Lincoln's 
greatness as a leader was forged in marriage because in spite of how difficult his wife was, he learned to love her and serve her and be her husband even when he had every reason not to. You see, as it turns out, his wife's weakness were actually part of the things that God was using to shape this man into a great man. I mean, Abraham Lincoln could have made excuses and said to himself, look what I have to work with at home. I would be an amazing leader if it weren't for this woman of a wife. But he didn't do any of that. And he probably didn't know this, but his marriage was a training ground for greatness in his life. So listen to me, pastors, as you love your wife by protecting her, promoting her and providing for her, even when she's angry and upset with you, understand that God has handpicked her to be in your life as one of the sharpest and holiest tools, uh, instruments that will make you more into the man that God has destined you to be. So as it turns out, your wife is actually one of God's greatest gift to you. So husband, pastors, treat your wives as Christ treated you. Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review and give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up with you next week. Stay close to Christ.